Hi, my name is Sharona Mushar. Yes, like, like the song, My Sharona. Sharon with an A, as they say. I'm a marketer, a Martech uh, groupie. I work out of Israel, but I love to travel. And my motto in life is uh, come as you are, travel as you are, and live as you are. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Jennifer. Welcome back to Tiny Little Victories. I am your host, Jennifer Kite Powell, and I just want to say hello, all you beautiful humans. Yes, I feel like there is no AI listening to this podcast yet, so I'm still going to thank all of you lovely humans for tuning in and listening. Today, I have a guest uh, that I have known for a long time, since about 2004, and her name is Sharona Mashar, and she is a marketing communications junkie, could we say, expert, definitely. And Sharona actually started her career teaching English as a second language in Brooklyn. Oh gosh, right before the big old 2000. So she has done a lot of interesting things in her career, moving from a startup where she's done everything to a very corporate entity, AWS in Israel, where she was responsible for um, South Africa and Israel. And now she's at a medium-sized public company, part of Perion Networks. And so it is so interesting to see her journey from having her passion for wanting to teach, moving into marketing, Marcoms before it was even a thing, to where she is now. She has also a delightful daughter who's 12, who's absolutely in love with Ariana Grande. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit and how the dog they adopted during COVID pretty much saved their lives. Okay, so stay tuned for this next episode with Sharona Mashar. I am your host, Jennifer Kite Powell of the fabulous little podcast, Tiny Little Victories. And today I have a friend that goes back so many years and she's also a, was a business colleague and she has got a marketing mind like no other, Sharona. Sharona, hello. Welcome to Tiny Little Victories. Thank you. It's so great to be on your podcast, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. And for everybody that's listening, um, Sharona and I go way back. And she, I was your client. Like, you were the boss of me, basically. I was. I was. <laughs> should I mention Should I mention when that was? Yeah, Did go we? ahead. I, wanna, I yeah. mean, I feel like it was 20 years ago. <laughs> I think so. We go back, I think, since... 2004. Yeah, I was going to say. Those were the, yes. Those were the big days of IPTV and yes. IBC and all these acronyms. 
Yes, exactly. All these TV acronyms. Exactly. And for everybody that doesn't know this, we're going to tell you anyway, but before you had your silly phone and you just could call and stream of anything, there was this thing called interactive TV, which was just coming on the scene. And Sharona was the marketing manager for an Israeli company, Bitband. And, yes. they, yeah, and they were sort of like at the front of the pack, along with a, a lot of other Israeli companies in helping interactive TV come to market. You guys, nobody even thinks about that now anymore. I mean, there's a group of us that are like, oh, IBC and oh, <laughs> IPTV, but that's gone basically. IBC is not gone. The no, industry no, is itself gone, has, yeah. has definitely changed. But IBC is still a thing. But don't we look at it now and say, thank <laughs> God we don't have to be there? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can I just say, like, all these people running off to shows, like, it's so great to be back. I'm like, are you people high? Like, we definitely, I think, had the best of times. And you're right, world. IBC is not dead. She's right. It's not dead. <laughs> but, but interactive TV is dead. I mean, could we say that? <laughs> Uh, it's now called CTV. It's something else, uh, totally. Oh, really? And you also have all, yeah, you also have all the streaming companies. I mean, the industry has really evolved since evolved. then, but it's yeah. definitely not IPTV anymore. No, no, no. And so what first drew you, actually, you know, I didn't know this about you. We were talking prior to the show, <clears throat> excuse me. And I did not know this, but you reminded me that you had been a teacher before you went into marketing. What? How did I forget I know. that? this go tell the story it was yes it was my first love to to be a teacher um i was a teacher um here in israel for about a year teaching english as a second language it was really the dream it was what i always wanted to do since i was a child i was always like the teacher's pet in english classes wow. i started yeah i started dreaming in english at a very early age and this was the dream. This was what I wanted to do. And then um, after one year teaching here, um, I got this job offer in the States, which was really amazing. And then I went to, uh, to the States. I spent uh, three years there also as a teacher. Where, but this where was were in, you in the States? Where did in you... New York. This, this was in New York, in Brooklyn. Okay. If, you, if you remember, uh, we always it's used to laugh to about... Me. Yes. We always used to joke about how I say dog, like, yes. <laughs> like in the weird accent. Remember that? Yes. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was an amazing experience um, in the States for about yeah. three years in, in New York, yes. Uh, but then when I got back, I, I just did not want to do this anymore. I was like, it's not what I expected. It's not what I dreamed about in terms of now going back into the educational system, it was too rigid in, in the way that you were expected, you know, to to work by very specific, harsh guidelines. I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. And I think and that's so, really interesting mm -hmm. because that's not how you work at all, knowing you. I mean, you're very sort of innovative and you tend to see like the big picture really far out. And then you can pivot like along that path, which isn't really a skill that they want. I don't think I'm going to probably hurt a lot of people's feelings here, but I mean, can you do that and be a teacher? No, because you need to follow this very strict guideline. And also with all the politics today around teaching, I can't imagine. I mean, I have a lot of respect for them, but I can't imagine. Yeah. And you know something, the parents are, are like 
the hardest the part of it all. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a parent, but still. Yeah, you are a parent. Right? <laughs> it's probably better My if you daughters... say parents. parents are the worst as My... a parent than if I would say it. <laughs> You know, uh, my daughter's teachers, they love me because I know what they're going through. And I'm like the nicest parent that they run into. You know, I'm like, of course, I understand what you're going through. No problem. (laughs) Exactly. (gasps) But you 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 realize that that wasn't for you after doing it, which is interesting since that was your dream. So was this just sort of little Sharona coming back to Israel being like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Or. Was it easy to pick a path? I didn't. I think the path picked me. Oh, you know, it's like, it's like I, I got here and I was like, okay, so now what? I didn't know what to do, but I was like, let me just try and, you know, learn some software, learn a little bit about programming. Only because I like technology. I, I do to this till this very day. Um, so I was like, okay, let me try different programs. Let me see what I can do. Let me, you know, surf a little bit. Let me see what this internet thing is. And That's right, you guys. Because we have to date ourselves here, right? Because this was, what was this, like 2000? This was around 2000, yeah. yeah. And then I started, and I, I started teaching myself, you know, different programs and what have you. And I mean, marketing, marketing communications, wasn't even a thing when I started. Oh my no. God, that's so true. Not they didn't even yeah. put those words together. Yeah, these words were not were not then a thing as they are well now or later. Yeah. Um so this is how I started and you know I love technology so it was very easy for me to to connect to it and to start writing about it and to start you know trying to figure out how to present products, what it means, mm-hmm. you know, to go to industry events and to conferences and what types of materials you need to create. I mean, it, it was all very basic at the time. It wasn't as sophisticated as it is today with all your, uh, you know, markets, uh, so uh, MarTech tools. That is, I love that you brought that up because I had a conversation with somebody else who said the same thing. Like they were at the very beginning of user-generated content. It was Jamila Knowles. And she said, nobody even put those words together. Nobody knew what they were. And I remember you're talking about something very real here because there was nobody out there really talking about promoting. And like you said, marketing communications, like how do you write in a way where it's a little more, you know, less formal and made for the internet, which really nobody knew because they were just getting on that big, fast bus. You know, they didn't, they didn't know. Everything was very paper-based. Everything was very paper-based and everything was also tied to the location of uh, where you were at, you know, where you were working. Totally, yeah. I'm sure you remember, and, you know, we go back to IBC now, but I'm sure you remember that um, back then when we could bring a stream from, I think it was the Big Brother, into the hole itself at IBC, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was like, and we took, and we took reporters, we took reporters to the, to the publisher to see what they were doing to the broadcaster, sorry, to see what they were doing and how the interactive TV works there. And, you know, 
it was it was really location based because you yeah. couldn't do those things like as you do now you're sending a link and there there goes your demo so you actually had to show the people how things worked you had to walk into a room with servers yeah and you had show to have them. the whole setup i remember that i remember yes oh the my set-top god boxes yeah oh my god the set top boxes <laughs> And that little tiny piece of software inside the set-top box. But you're right. Nothing was, nothing was mobile. Not, everything was locked away in a big room. And nothing existed outside of that. You know, it's, always, yeah. it's interesting because when we were working, when I worked for you through my agency, we had to set up all, you know, we set up all this stuff at IBC at the trade shows. And you remember the complete and total panic meltdown that all these setup guys would have because they had to emulate a whole entire broadcast <laughs> inside a tiny little room with like stacks. Yes. It was like you were sweaty hot because all the heat coming out and people were like carrying trays of sandwiches around. It was bonkers. <laughs> but we had the best parties, Jennifer. You oh, had yeah, the best man. parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're talking about Ink <laughs> had the best parties? Yeah. Yes. Ink you had know, the people, best parties. People still email me. Are you guys... You can have a party. I'm like, do you know that company doesn't exist anymore? Like, yeah, but you guys throw the best parties. <laughs> you know, if we have to go out on being remembered for something, I'll take it. The party. They were always at the best locations. They were. There was this one, there was this one uh, dinner party where we went to this place that was a restaurant, but it had all its ingredients grown yes. at the backyard. Yes, it was called. Right, that was, it was called D- Dincas, the cheese, in yes, Amsterdam. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That was and a great. Do you one. know that is the beginning of farm to table right there? They were one <laughs> of the first big restaurants that did that farm to table, and we didn't. I don't even think farm to table was a word in two thousand and six or seven. <laughs> and yeah, that place was amazing. And then we had one in an old prison under a bridge. Yes, um, down the rabbit hole. The theme was down the rabbit hole. hole. Yes. And we had Polaroid cameras there. People were taking photos with Polaroid cameras. It was really cool. Do you know Alex Crabb had a bunch of those she mailed me like many years ago? She's like, I found (laughs) this whole box of Polaroid. I think I mailed some to like Joe Halloran. Hey, Joe. And a couple other people that I have. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. Schroeder says hi. He's going to be on the show, so. Awesome. Yeah. It would be fun to get everybody, all of you guys together for like a reunion and IPC, like past IPTV. Oh my gosh. That would be mad. We should, I should try that. See if it works. We should. We should. So like, what was your journey? Like you, so you got into marketing, you marketing communications, you, you learning so much. You were using all your skills to be able to package up and you know, you really helped BitBand get sold. You were part of that team. They got that company acquired by Motorola, yes. I think. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And after that, did you feel like you had, you needed to go do something else or was it like, I'm going to continue down this path or what, where did your journey take you next? Well, I, I, I was always going back and forth between the lines of marketing and PR. Like I never knew on which side I wanted to be. And with some companies, it was all in the same place. Like when you work at a startup, you're like jack of all trades. You do everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. 
you do legion, you do trade shows, you yeah. do well now it's social, you do PR, you do everything. Yeah. But then when you go work for larger companies and uh, the real world for big corporates, then, you know, you, you have to, you don't have to, but you know, you get one position, which is dedicated to a certain discipline. So in some companies I was doing PR only for some companies mm -hmm. I was doing marketing and, and sometimes both. Yeah. So in a way it gave me like a broader look of the entire chain of what marketing can do. And this was great. But then sometimes it put me in places where I was doing, you know, like a one woman show. I was doing everything. It was like too much. Yeah, it was. It was. It, I, I clearly remember like at some point in my career, I was like, why am I doing everything? Why can't I, you yeah. know, focus on, on one thing? But then this goes back to what you were saying about the big picture. It's like I always have to look at the big picture. I want to see everything. I want to be able to understand how my work contributes to everything. Yeah, you do. I think that's, to, to I like, think that's a real, your brand, you know, that's, we're all very, we're all not so great sometimes about pushing our brand, but I would say like that is one of your hugest assets just to anybody is that this person can loves to see that big picture. And you can, I feel like you're like minor, minority reporting things actually sometimes <laughs> where, you know, you've got this big board up there and Schroeder can see and move the pieces around. You have a, it's a very good talent, right? It's a very strong talent. And I think people that have that talent, it's very difficult to feel nailed in or, you know, like hemmed in to doing so much work that you can't see, you know, you don't have the brain capacity to look out there and pull those pieces together. Right. And I think with, you know, with the years and, you know, as you gain more and more experience, then you kind of learn to balance this and you learn to understand, okay, everything is important and everything has a contribution to the company's goal or to your business unit goal. But in the end, you know, you have to focus on what matters most. And this is where obviously prioritization comes in. And this is where you learn to delegate and you learn to trust other people. <laughs> you learn to trust your team and you have to let go of some of the things that you love to do. That and that's hard, but yeah. yeah. Go, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's hard, but it, you know, it, it makes you better at what you do in the end. That's so interesting to me because I always felt like, even sometimes now, I feel like I struggle with that letting go thing much better than I ever was. But I think you're right. Like if you, because you can't possibly stay in that lean, I call it the hunched up. You're like hunched up, you know, you're leaning forward. That doesn't really allow your head to look up and look out and forward. So I think that being able to lift your head up and look out and forward does help the company in the end because you're able to see the pieces that aren't working. Maybe you can delegate them to somebody else. And you just basically want to feel good at the end of the day about the work you've done that you've contributed in a big way, I think, for me anyway. Right, right. Think about storytelling, for for example, right, which is something that we both have done, have done it many times. And think about the difference between being able to write this beautiful article this amazing piece of content as opposed to being able to give other writers three or four different briefs you know 
You give them the talking points, you give them the brief, they go write it. And, you know, there's ping pong back and forth, fine. But the amount of time and and effort that you have to put into writing one or two articles, as opposed to, you know, being able to brief, you know, other people and get them to write three, four, five pieces. Yeah. What's more helpful for the company? What's more helpful for the business? You know, so sometimes you have to let go. You have to let go. I love writing, but you can't do everything. You are such a great writer. And I think you bring up a good point because um, you're right. It also takes a talent to write a good brief because I think that I see that a lot. I get briefs. I'm like, well, who wrote this? Like this, I can't, you couldn't make like, (laughs) put make a cocktail napkin story out of this brief. And I think that I always have said this, I don't know if you agree, but it is harder to stop and think first and really, you know, it's like, it's easier to almost easier to people just to like, okay, I'm just gonna throw these pieces together and get it out there without actually thinking, is this the component that they need to create this? Is this going to give them everything they need to write the story? Because there's nothing worse than being a writer and having way too many link dumps in a creative briefing document <laughs> or not enough because like people are trying to do their best. I, I've worked with a magazine recently and I absolutely love them and they go overboard with their source material so much so that you almost choke like in the beginning you can't. And you know what? It's a really thorough brief, but it's too much because you've got this interview and that interview and this interview and this link and that link. Well, which one is important? Where's the priority? It almost takes longer sometimes when I do this work for them, I'm like, let me just, I'll just write it. But to your point, that's not helpful. <laughs> I'm learning something here today. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be involved. <laughs> yes, I, I feel like I just had a little therapy session from you, Sharona. I think that's, yeah. <laughs> but you learn these things as you get older. And so um, where, what are you doing now that you love so much? What, what What is it that you love most about the job that you're in now? You're at a really cool place, by the way. Can we say? I am at a great, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. I am at a great company. I'm in digital advertising and I'm with Coach Fuel, which is a Perion company. Perion is a public company. Yeah. Um, it's it's really great. You know, it's great to be at a public company after, um, <laughs> you know, ma- many years, many years that I've been uh, within startups. Yeah. And then after, you know, after having been at a lot of startups, I went and I spent an entire year at AWS, which is like the largest corporate, I think. Yeah. So I from think so there, too. I went. Yeah. So from there, I'm now at a medium sized public company, which is really great. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like really- crazy, huge, crazy. It's like <laughs> medium size. And it's really, yeah, it's, it's really nice because you feel like you're, you have the startup mentality, but you're still, you know, a, a successful in a solid company. And that's a perfect combination for, you know, where I am at life. right yeah. now. So this is really I, good. I think that's really interesting because you, you went from a startup, which when you're at a startup, you can't see really like you can see you're like you said you're doing so many things you're doing whatever it takes to contribute to that you're sitting with the ceo you're sitting you know you're everywhere right you're in mm-hmm. that rack room mm-hmm. you're everywhere and then that is like a sorry a freaking hard stop to go <laughs> to a gigantic corporate like aws it's almost like those crash test dummies that are strapped into their chair and you're like just going so fast and you get hit with that wall because that is a totally different way of thinking right 
a whole different, very different, maybe like teachery kind of structure, right? <laughs> um, very different. Yes. Yeah, and and I think what did you have to do emotionally and mentally to be able to shift yourself into that corporate environment before you reshifted back into this mid-sized company? And by the way, I just want to say. Cold Fuel and Perian look like such happy companies. We are. We are happy. If you, and you can yeah, feel we, we the have... happiness. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the good thing about large corporates for someone like me is mm -hmm. that there are a lot of ways where you could, you know, act solo in a way. Like there's this huge learning system this huge, you know, database of information that you just, yeah. you know, dive into any topic that you want to learn about. So this is like the good side. And then also, I think I was lucky enough. So I covered when I was in AWS, I covered Israel and South Africa. And these two countries are like, they have a lot of similarities between them. Like the startup community in both countries is amazing. So to me, yeah. I found like great, great stories that I could focus on, for example, in South Africa. Yeah. Some of good. these stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was cool because even within this large corporation, you can find points where, you know, you can throw in creativity there and you can find like the good stories that you can tell because it's not all about technology, but it's yeah. about how technology helps people in the end, right? Yeah, that's a really good point because with smaller companies, you can't do that. It's harder. No one wants to give that up yet because they're still waiting for more money or they don't have that mm -hmm. commercial deal. And that's a very good point. Yeah. So the focus was really on on bringing the, you know, the customers or the partners' stories to life and not necessarily, you know, oh, we have this new product now and new features, but it was like more focusing, you know, on, on the stories and how you help uh, local companies, you know, come up with new solutions that actually help the economy and help people and help young girls learn code. So these mm -hmm. were the cool things that I that I wanted to focus on. And I could. Yeah. Um, because those stories were there. You just had to find them. So, yeah. you know, through like working there, like, I, you know, I spoke to companies who used uh, drones to like find what's wrong with an art, we you know, with a, a an entire uh, field or orchard, uh, orchard trees, and you know the drones would like pick take pictures of the the terrain yeah, I and love that. see if I love water was missing. Yeah, so those these are cool things that you can you know do with technology, and you, mm -hmm. you get to tell that story. So that was yeah. that was great. And but then again, large corporates are really huge. So it's like yeah. not everyone is fit for that culture. And I, I think, you know, I suspect <laughs> that I was less fit for that culture. Yeah. Uh, so to yeah. me, shifting back to like a medium company was a good move. It's like, uh, it's almost like, yeah, you tried a small, it's a small startup, which gave you a lot of the experience that you could use and take elsewhere. And yeah, I'm not, a, I would not fit as you know, at all into a large company culture. <laughs> and I'm super proud of that, actually. I I was working on a project recently with someone and they said, you know, you, you're such a reductionist. And I'm like, thank you. And they said, oh, we didn't mean it as a compliment. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I still say thank you because 
you know, when you're at a startup or you're working very agilely, like we were when at Inc., you've got to boil it down fast for people so that they can then turn it around and, you know, turn it into a press release. Or at that point, people were just discovering blogs, you know, that Mm -hmm. was a big thing. And so I think it makes sense that you would make the hop around, right? Because that's Sharona. That's what you do. You gather, you gather it all because your brain needs all that information in order to work your magic. Yeah. That's, that's how I, that's how I imagine it that we at some point always end up in the place. Well, now I don't know how much you want to talk about your daughter, but I, you're a mom and yeah. And, uh, you, what is the thing that, how old is Leah now? Is she, I don't know, eight, nine? She is, uh, 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 she is almost 12 years uh, old. uh, uh. Nuh-uh. She nope. is almost 12. In the summer, she's going to be 12. Okay. I can't. That just, oh my God. Okay. Everybody, you have to know, I guess I just remember Sharona having a baby, not a 12-year-old. <laughs> but you're a mom and you're a working mom. And what is it that your 12-year-old is concerned about? Like, what are the things that she wants to talk about with you? Or if you want to talk about that. And what is the biggest challenge with a 12-year-old girl? She wants to talk about Ariana Grande all the time. <laughs> nah. Okay. That's that's what she wants to talk okay. about. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Ariana Grande is pretty cool. <laughs> Thank God she didn't say Madonna, right? I'd be really concerned. Oh no. <laughs> um she also talks about her friends in okay. school, but not as much as I would like to. Ah, but, okay. uh, but I think being a single mom, I think you do get to have a special relationship with your kid. I think it's a bit different from like your, you know, regular family where you have two yeah. parents and a kid. So I think it's a bit different. I think it's probably, um, I, I hate to say those people are regular because I just say that that's one way of doing it. Then yours is another way of doing it. And there's a woman in, that I met recently and she taught art in London and she has two small girls, Sally and I don't know the other one's name, very lovely little kids. And she was telling me lately, she said, oh, you know, I'm a single mom now. And I said, congratulations. <laughs> and she goes, right now I can do everything I want my way. And I, I loved her attitude because of course, you know, obviously there was some breakdown, but she was like, yeah, now I can raise my girls my way. And I thought, what a positive attitude, right? Just like, it's not a stigma anymore. And I, I love that she was like, Hey, you know, I'm a single mom now and I I can do this. And I I think that, and she said the same thing that I have a different relationship with my girls. And I think that's great because to be honest, I think girls need to have a lot of special relationships with their mother to show the strength that women have today in the world. Yes. And, um, the, the positive side about it is like you said, doing it my way right so that's easy because it's like you don't have to consult with anyone you don't have to think about what type of i don't know education religion traditions you know the other side wants to have it's like it's just me yeah that's the easy well not easy because it's also your sole responsibility of how that child turns out you know it's like it has two sides um yeah and it's you know, on on the harder side, it's like on the like less positive or more mm. challenging side. I yeah. would say, 
is like is you know the fact that especially in my position like there were times that I had to travel a lot I mean yeah. a lot I mean you remember those days where you have to go to trade shows you have to meet journalists you have to meet customers I can't believe it's, we're still alive it's not easy. Yes. you know team meetings so you know for me think about it every time I had to travel even if it was for two three days I had to like Pack for myself, pack for my kid, take her to my parents, make sure she has everything that she needs for kindergarten, for school. And I remember like every time from all the people that were traveling, I was always the one to travel very early in the morning, you know, like in the middle of the night because I wanted to, you know, to get her to sleep and then and then leave yeah. when, she, when she's sleeping. And I was always the first one to come back, even though we could stay, you know, another night, another evening, whatever. I was always the one hurrying back home so that, you know, the less days she misses me, the better. So that that, was a little bit challenging, but she got so many gifts. She got so many gifts from all over the world. So I was compensating for that a lot. She's probably loving it. She landed on Ariana Grande. (laughs) So, you know, you must be doing something right. Is she have any, are there any things in the world that a 12 year old girl talks about outside of Ariana Grande? Like I'm, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and they're, they're so stressed out right now about climate change. And I'm like, you guys might need to go play a little bit, maybe have some time (laughs) off from this. But I was just, I was just curious if she had any thoughts on things like that. She does. We talk a lot about uh, friendship, actually, and what it means to be a good friend. You know, today they're all over, right? They, they're they on Pinterest and they're on WhatsApp and they're on uh, TikTok and they're on a lot of networks, right? And the interactions that they have with each other are very different from when I grew up, right? Yeah, so many choices. Like, how do you, do you have to regulate that for her? Does she get to make the choices about which social network she's on? Um, I, I did, I still do to a, to a certain extent because you don't want her to be very different from everyone else. But to me, it's less about regulating, but it's more about providing, you know, other interests for her so that she's drawn away from the networks. So for example, a couple of years ago, we adopted a dog. So even, you know, spending time with the dog and taking her outside and playing with her. So this is something that you do that is not related to, you know, networks or mobiles or things like that. So you get to provide alternative activities. I try to to do that, to encourage her to do other things. So that she's not always on the phone and she's not always interacting through, yeah. you know, Wi-Fi, so to speak. Yeah. She, loves, she loves to draw. Yeah, it is oh, hard. But, but she, she loves to draw. She was little. So she I remember goes, her drawing. Yes, yeah. yes. So she has this drawing class that she goes to twice a week. So that also, you know, fills her world with other things. Uh, because she's a single child, then she loves companies and she loves, she loves, you know, she loves company and she loves friends. So yeah. she goes out a lot with her friends, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's less about like, it's more of real friendships. You know what I mean? So it's, Because they're based on something other than sitting in a room and all looking at their phone. 
I th- exactly. I, I think that it must be hard today. I say this a lot because I have to impose my own digital um, guidelines on myself as nobody around to do that for me <laughs> except me. And I think it would be difficult because the idea of creating connection with people face to face, I think is a lost art in the, that generation. And so you creating these, you know, I hate to use this word in real life, analog life activities. IRL. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, IRL, oh my God. Frank Skull. <laughs> yes. You remember in like 2007, that was all everybody talked about. We were going to be walking down the street and we we're going to have our phones. And someone was going to shoe store was going to like, Mm-hmm. Give us an ad in our phone. Oh my God, how we never did that. Mm-hmm. Like, we never did that. But I, I do, I do think that just because we have access to all this social media and all these social networks doesn't mean we have to use them twenty four seven. I have a time limit for my devices each week. Uh, it's under ten hours, and if I reach that, they go off. So the phone, wow. the computer, yeah. And that is literally the phone, meaning like if I'm at my limit, I will turn the entire device off completely. Like it's off. And I, a lot of people think that's crazy. Yeah, sure. Maybe it is crazy for them, but it works for me. It gives me this space that I need in my head. And I frankly don't want my phone pinging all the time. It doesn't ping as much as it did 15 years ago, but it's so nice to not, worry about it and wake up and think, and I've already told my, my mother, you know, my, my relatives, you know, you guys might, if I don't reply, it's because I'm off and I'm, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be dead. So good um, for you. It was hard. I'm not there yet. It. I'm still, it I'm still addicted. Yeah, yeah. I'm still addicted. I, mean, I have to say. <laughs> and I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think we all have to make these choices, right? Conscious choices about disconnecting and conscious choices about creating that space again in your head. And I took it all for granted, for sure. You know, I was like crazy all over the place online and mm-hmm. I deleted all of those and I literally feel like a whole new person. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And I think you get either you have you find that balance for yourself. And I, I love that. I love that I am so please that my phone can be off for three days and people go, where have you been? I'm like, not nowhere. <laughs> I've been right here <laughs> in my backyard. <laughs> so what I, what I did do in order to get some peace and quiet for myself, I yeah. did um, disable all the, you know, news notifications uh, and all the alerts. And like when there's incoming email, I don't get an alert, but rather I have to do pull mode rather than, you know, push mode. That's good. So, that's good. It's good, but you still keep pressing it. You know how it is. Yeah, but you're addicted. But yeah, it's you're, definitely. You're addicted. I know. I am addicted. I'm the first one to admit it. But to be honest, it's a bit better than it was. I don't know, two years ago, three years oh, ago. No. I, I think. Know. I think COVID has has taught me a lot. Uh, oh, has taught no, me a lot. I read. I read. Yeah. We didn't even get to COVID. Like, what did COVID teach you? <laughs> I was going to ask you. What did COVID teach you? It taught me to, you know, find time to relax and uh, be in the moment because there was a time where I really thought this was the end of the world. I know know a lot of people did. I know know. a lot of people did. I'm one of those people, yes. It really really felt like it, you know. Yeah. And um, it taught me 
really to make the most out of the moment. It mm-hmm. it taught me to make time and be with my daughter and spend time with her and listen to her. And I, I got to know her. This time of, of working at home, working from home and seeing, you know, what she does for school and how she interacts with her teacher and with her friends. I love that. I really got to know her. Yeah. And imagine- I know that for a lot of people, it was a sad time. But for me, it was... A in good a time. way, it was a gift. It yeah. was a gift. I Because, you know, she's not going to be 10 and 11, 9, 10, 11 forever. And, yeah. you know, yeah. as they continue to connect with their friends and move out in the world, you'll never have that time back. I love, I love that. And I, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes we talk a lot, a little bit about COVID on here. If I can remember like, Hey, what was it like for you? Because I was, <laughs> very affected by it. And I think I feel a lot like we were in a blip, you know, like from sci-fi film and it really impacted me in terms of how I, how I choose to live my life and what I think about and how I spend my time. And I had a really hard, you moved during COVID, right? I remember that. I did. I was terrified. I was in New York city and Mm -hmm. COVID came and I was terrified and you couldn't get in the elevator. You could get in the elevator, could only one person at a time. Like they, all the trains were closed. It was it was scary to me. I can't speak for anybody else. For me, it was petrifying. And I actually went and bought a car because <laughs> I didn't have a car in New York. And I went out to this crazy spooky place in New Jersey and bought a used Volvo and packed all my animals up. All of them, rest their souls, are all past now. Henry, Jack, and Simone. I know. And- I know. And we drove to Texas with like just a bunch of stuff because I didn't, I thought I'd be back in a month or so, a month and two months. And I asked somebody in the building to water my plants and, you know, people wouldn't even get in the same hallway with each other. So it was, it was scary to me. Got was really frightened about coming to Texas because I had New York plates and sort of the day I arrived in Texas, Texas was closing down and I came because I have cousins here. And I was so afraid. I had worked up all these stereotypes in my head about, you know, Texans with trucks and stuff. I was so afraid of my license plate that I didn't want to stop to go to the bathroom or get gas until I got to my cousin's house. Uh, and it turns out I did, couldn't make it. I had to stop right as I crossed the border. And there were these two guys in a big, huge pickup truck. I mean, they were cowboys. And but I'd just been driving two days in a car and they were walking over to me. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the end. This is the end. <laughs> and he said, excuse me, ma'am. He said, are you from New York city? And I said, okay. Yeah. And he goes, and I was like, oh no. And he goes, is it really that bad up there? All <laughs> know, right? Because nobody knew, right? Like they didn't know. And they were just, and then another couple kind of walked over. They all stayed away because, you know, I probably had cooties because I had just come from New York. And they were like, is it really that bad? Can you really, I'm like, yeah, it's really that bad. Like, and they were like, okay, thanks for the information. And, you know, this idea of awareness, you know, I think was what, for me, just being aware of other people and having a little bit of equanimity with people. I I didn't feel like I had equanimity before. And I think COVID helped me really see everybody's side of things more, but 
Yeah. So I moved during COVID, did not go back to New York, ended up staying in Dallas, Texas of all places and quite happy. So you never know. (laughs) (laughs) I have good memories of Dallas. I went to South by Southwest a couple of times. Yeah. So that was, you know. And I think Austin and Dallas are two completely different. I mean, I think South by Southwest is happening now. And a lot of people, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people that I knew from the time in Europe when I lived in Europe and all the work that we did, all the startup work, we worked together for years, have all since come back to America. And they're all living back in these towns they were from. And I think that's really interesting about, you know, so many Americans were living abroad. They were living in Estonia you know, Chris Brown was Startup Wise Guys and John Hazelwood was uh, another big entrepreneur over there. And they've all come back to the, to the States, to their hometowns. And I'm like, oh, it's like an exodus. <laughs> it was like an exodus. And, but, but, you know, everybody's had these big experiences around the world. And now they're, because of COVID, creating maybe better or different experiences. I mean, this guy, John said, I would have never thought I would ever come back to Austin. I'm like, are you from Austin? Like, you know, you hang out with someone in London or you hang out with someone in, you know, in all these places. Yeah. You're like, where are you from again? Um, that was a big eye opener for me. How many of us had traveled and come back? So, yeah. Um, what is, I, I, I know we, we could talk all night, but we, we won't do that. But I guess my other question for you is, um, and I don't believe in regret at all because you learn from everything. So we're not going to talk about that. But is there anything you wanted to do or still want to do that you haven't done yet? There was one thing that I wanted to do, and I did it last summer. I know it's the name <laughs> of a horrific movie, but, you know, I really did it last summer. Okay, so check. Um, <laughs> I always, you know how I had the experience of living somewhere else, you know, as a young person, yeah. uh, which I, which I did. And I always felt that that gave me like a lot of depth about other cultures and other people. Oh, totally. So I, I really, I really want, wanted to have that experience for my daughter, mm-hmm. but you know, with, with the school year and with jobs and, you know, with our, my job and everything else, it's difficult to do that. But then last summer, I had this opportunity to do a house swap with this family. And they came to live over here. What? And we got to spend the entire summer in Malibu. What? Which was, <laughs> I know. Okay. Which was Hello. a great, great experience. Great experience. So obviously, I we didn't love stay that. there the whole time. We didn't okay. stay there the whole time. But we did this grand tour me and my daughter we went from la to vegas to to yosemite to yosemite to san francisco and then back down on route number one yeah yeah yes yes it was such an amazing summer and you know we we were just there the whole time and you're in a totally different time zone so no one really bothers you. Um, it was awesome. It was amazing. We did all the parks. We, I mean, I felt like a child again. But, you know, also for her, it was such a great experience to see her, you know, talking to people and asking for things and consulting with the waitress. And it, it was just amazing. Applause. To see her discuss- 
applause to you for doing that and creating that again, these analog real life experiences. And I, I think that you're right. Like because of your experiences living in someplace else when you did it, it does change your mind, does open your mind to different cultures. It does give you a new perspective. It does. And my recommendation to anyone traveling to the area, I mean, I know it's not like a rare area or something like that, but there are two different ways to get to Yosemite. And one is only open in the, like summer and, and springtime, which is driving through Mammoth Lakes, which is um, it, a beautiful, beautiful town. And then you go through like the top part of the park and not, you know, uh, the southern part of it, so to speak. So okay. Mammoth Lakes, an we, amazing little town, an amazing okay. little town. What is the name of the and town? Then you go, Mammoth Lakes. Can you spell it? And then M A M O U T H Lakes. Okay. Okay. So and I then from to... there, yeah, and then from there you go through this beautiful road called Tioga Pass. Okay. Yeah, Tioga Pass. And I've then heard that. yes, yes. So it's the most beautiful, scenic route to go into Yosemite. And it was amazing. I really loved it. I have never been to Yosemite. So this also is on one of my lists now that I'm back in America to be able to do. So I am going to put that on my to-do list as well. That's great. <laughs> this is great. Well, Sharona, thank you for taking all this time to have us go down memory lane and share these experiences about your daughter and her love of area. Hey, so if anybody's listening, they have Ariana Grand tickets, please let's get them to Sharona because that would be There's great. no tour. I'm looking for the, but you know what? I hope she's not, she's not listening. She's already asleep. Okay. I am taking her to see Beyonce this summer. Oh, oh wow. Which is okay. the next, which is the next best thing. I love next you Beyonce, best- but it's next best thing for her. Oh yeah. Okay? Well, that would, for her, that would for be- my daughter. Yeah, I mean, I would put, I would, I would switch the ranking in my world, like in Beyonce first. But I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. Okay, so she, she doesn't know that. We won't tell Leah that she's going she to see. Doesn't know that yet. Um. Okay, so you're going to keep us in touch about anything that happens in your life, and maybe we can have another talk again a little later about what's going on. I want to actually reach out to you. Maybe do it. I actually, I'm thinking about doing a podcast where we just like complain about stuff just or muse about stuff or tech that we're mad at. So I think you would be very good on that because you would keep like even keeled a little bit. And I would tend to go off the deep end. So um, let's have you back on for like amusings, amusing rants and musings. How about that? I feel like that's an episode. Okay. Well, have a great evening and thank you so much, Sharona. Great talking to you, Jennifer and talk soon. It's that time again when the latest episode of Tiny Little Victories is over. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sharona Mushar. You know, I've known Sharona for, man, many, many years. And there's one thing that I know about her and that I admire, and that is her ability to tackle any challenging circumstance. She has such resilience. I always admired that in her when we were working together and running around the rye in Amsterdam at IBC, just trying to put out fire after fire. And she just sort of moved through this space with effortless ease and things always were resolved. And I think that's a really great way to be is just 
able to like tackle a difficult situation with poise and grace. And to me, that is what Sharona has always done. And I'm sure what she's continuing to do. So at the end of this episode, I usually always thank you all for listening because I am so grateful for all the listens and the shares. And I also just wanted to remind everybody or any people that are new that are listening to the show that you can listen to us on so many podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Stitcher, one of my very favorites, CastBox, which is new to me, but maybe not to you guys because lots of people listening on CastBox. And if you don't want to listen to a podcast on another app, you can just open your browser. Yep. Good old fashioned browser and just go to www.tinylittlevictoriespodcast.com and see all those beautiful faces on the website and click on the person you want to listen to. It's so easy. I feel like singing a song, but I'm not going to. Um, Probably you're all like, yes, thank you. Please don't sing a song. So on that note, next week, we have sort of a very serious guest who infused a lot of humor into a topic called Capitalism 2.0. So please join me in welcoming, and I'm sure I'm going to definitely um, not pronounce his name correctly, but Uncle Schulte Terhorst. How about that? He's the CEO of Freedom Internet in the Netherlands, and he has done something quite remarkable. And I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation. So everybody out there, stay safe, have a great weekend, keep listening, and I'll see you next week on Tiny Little Victories. Oh, 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 oh